Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You know, when I got... Holy Spirit, wow. <laughs> when I got saved, I think my biggest fear was that, I don't know why I had this in my head or why even the Holy Spirit, but somebody needs to hear this. I thought I would have to give up on having an impactful life. Religion does that. Religion tries to crush dreams and vision and hope. And my biggest Contention when I knew God was calling me to change the direction of my life and follow him was I didn't know what that looked like. I had my dream, I had my picture, I had my vision, but I didn't know what his would look like. And the funny thing with God is how he'll work is often he'll have you sign a blank contract before he tells you the deal that you made with him. That's how we come to Jesus with a blank contract. And I remember thinking, man, I just wanna be a part something big, God. I don't have to be the big part. I just want to be a part of something big. And I see this video and I feel so privileged that for a decade I got to see a church start with a few hundred and see it reach San Diego. But then God said, we're not keeping it there. We're going to go reach Salt Lake City. We're going to go reach Boise, Idaho. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now that this is a house where we, we equip people to do what God made them to do. We don't, have, we don't do the man of God syndrome where you know there's the pastor and then there's the rest. Nobody has Holy Spirit Junior. God has given you the authority. He has given you purpose and mission. And in this house, you're gonna see it happen. And not only that, but you're gonna see cities transform. I am sick and tired. If you're a Christian in this room, develop the habit that Salt Lake City says, if you're declaring this is tough soil, this is a hard place to be a Christian, this is, there's a, look at all the, if, you're, if you have that language, can I challenge you, deny that language, cancel that language. The harvest in this valley is as ripe as it ever could have been, because no matter how dark the darkness is, no amount of darkness can overshadow the light, and when the light of the gospel is shown, and there's darkness and and deceit and confusion around it, it explodes in brightness. The darker something is, the brighter the contrast of light. So do not declare that Salt Lake City's hard soil. Declare that this is a land that God loves and He is blessing and He is reaching people that desperately want to know who He really is and what He's like. You are a part of a city-changing church. ask me all the time, you know, when are we gonna when are we gonna do the car wash for the once a year mission trip that we send the high schoolers to? And I'm not against mission trips, but I'm just telling you, God said go. Paul didn't go on a two-week mission trip. He went and built a church in a city. This is an apostolistic church. Our mission field's right in front of us. And no, yes, we we just you saw we had 
10,000 people go to our medical outreach in Baja, um, Baja, Mexico. We're not against, but can I just tell you, God has a mission right out here. He has a mission right out here. And the message is so attractive to people. We just gotta flesh it out in ourselves and not, you know, be the frozen chosen. You know, some of us, we need to remind our face that we're saved at work. We need to remind our face at the grocery store at work. It's me when I'm driving. When I'm driving, I do not look saved. I look like I wanna fight you. And so, but I gotta remind, remind myself the goodness of God is contagious. Real quick, um, Giselle, I just felt, so I'm gonna take a little bit of a, of a stretch here. I know God wants to comfort and touch you, but um, I felt two things. One, that he wants you to know that he's with your family. He's with your family. And then, I don't know why, do you have a brother? No brother, okay. I just, I felt like I saw a, a man or whatever, but the main word I, I felt God say is that he's with your family and your prayers are effective and he's got you and trust him, trust him with the family, trust him with the family. I don't know what that means, but I'm hoping the Holy Spirit has that for you in Jesus' name. He loves you. He loves you, God. We declare the goodness of God over Giselle. We declare the goodness of God over her amazing husband. We declare that these two are marked by the goodness of the Lord the goodness of the Lord, and they will see him come through again and again and again. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Scott and Pastor Jenny, if you don't know these two, you're missing out. So, you know, have your people, call their people, set up a lunch, set up time with them. I cherish time I get to just hang out and take my hat off and be with you guys. I cherish the gifts on your life. During worship, I just looked over at you guys and often when I see you guys, I just say, God bless them. God bless them. And what I felt, I saw, and I don't know what this means, Jenny, that's for you to figure out, uh, but I saw three gates, one of which you've already walked through and you've dealt with. And I don't know what this, but I saw another gate and it looked like you were walking on the sidewalk, getting ready to go into the gate, but it felt like, inside the other side of the gate was a graveyard. I thought I saw a graveyard. And I felt almost like it was something that God wanted you to walk through that gate again, was what I felt. But where once it was a gate you walked through and there was a death, he's bringing you back through that gate to begin to resurrect. Begin to resurrect what died in the previous time. And I just see that right now, you're in a season of resurrection. And resurrection power, it's, it, it looks strange because it, it has to revolve around like almost a feeling, it has to revolve around death. There can't be a resurrection unless there was a death. But I just hear, feel like God's hand is in you and walk through that gate again, but it will be completely different than the last time he asked you to walk through the gate. And I just see uh, kind of like that terrible movie, I think I watched when I was a kid, Pet Cemetery. It's like the things that, they won't come back haunted, but the things that have been buried there, you are now in a season of God bringing resurrection power. Resurrection power. Thank you, Lord. 
thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for courage to never let situation or never let circumstance or never let past dictate the walk of the gate you want us to walk through, Lord. We just declare the goodness of God on these two. We declare the favor of God. We thank you for bringing them to Salt Lake. We thank you that you have a mission and a mighty purpose. And there's a wake of transformed lives in the path of these two. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. I am going to preach a message. Y'all, Wednesday night been going off, man, going off. Give somebody a high five. Take a seat. Band, take five minutes. Get, it, get some water. Come on. Actually, while people are taking a seat, uh, man, I just, Antonio, you're a boss, bro. You're a boss. But can I just point something out? Hey, Abe, don't run away yet. Come here. I want to point something out that what walks in fathers runs in sons. And God was showing me that you have modeled Roman or Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And because you have modeled that, that's not a battle that your kids will have to flesh out like proper, you know, because the heart and zeal can get us into a place of, exhaustion and overcommitment, but because you did not waver in that, you're gonna watch that what your kids will do in the house of God will blow your mind because you and beautiful, where's your beautiful wife? Shara, she's back there too, have modeled what that looks like. And so God, we just declare that this patriarch is marked with kids and grandkids that are history makers and world changers in this city and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Antonio, you can just go, bro. You're handsome. Go, go sit by your beautiful wife. All right. So we are finishing up our Vision Builders Week. As you guys, most of you know, Vision Builders is not a building campaign. It's so much more than that. It is uh, giving people the opportunity to partner with the vision that God has for the city. Because as I said before, we are a city-transforming church. I, I want to help the homeless, but I want my city to be known for not having homelessness. I want to help people stuck in addiction, but I want our city to be known for a city that people aren't addicted. Yes, yes. Do you hear what I'm saying? That we're, we're not, obviously, we bring charity and we bring help to the need, but it, it's the old proverb, teach a man or give a man a fish, he's not hungry for a day. Teach a man to fish, he's never hungry again. And we're a disciple-making church because we're here to disciple a city, all right? And never apologize for that. The world will tell you that it's okay for you to have your truth, but do not put your truth on other people. Can I just tell you there is truth and there is lie. There is good and there is evil. Now, we all have different personalities. We all have different gifting. I'm not saying you have to do what I do or be used by God in the way you, I'm being used by God, but I do know God made you, God loves you, and God has a plan for you. Every person in this city, I know that. And we are, we are a church that needs to get that message out. And how do we do that? We build altars. We don't build, the church isn't the building. You're the church. I'm the church. We're his people. But you know what? It's really great to have taken territory away from the enemy 
right? To take, who knows what kind of events used to be thrown in here? Who knows what kind of wild, crazy events have happened in this room? But now I know that this room is set apart for good. I know that lives get transformed. We build altars where people can give their life to Jesus and begin to see transformation power. And so you get to be a part of that. And as I quoted over Abe, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. The title of my message today is Vision Keepers. We're doing Vision Builders and, and it's good to start and be involved. You know, I always say this, if it became illegal to be a Christian, how easy would it be to convict you? I can tell you right now, you look at my bank account, I'm guilty. You look at my calendar, I'm guilty. It's, it would be an easy slam dunk. I am not getting a plea deal for being a Christian, okay? And I wanna encourage you, let that be your life. See, so many people, here's, here's usually the flow when you encounter God. When you really encounter Jesus, first thing you will feel is a love like you have never experienced before. And you'll feel a freedom and a forgiveness and a, and a breaking off of the shame of your past. You will feel renewed and refreshed. And when that happens, you will begin to dream again. One of the healthiest, way, actually how I check the health of our church is I talk to people and I listen, are they dreaming? If they're not dreaming, we're missing something. Now, obviously, brand new person, maybe you've come in, maybe it's been a long time since you dreamed, but dreams are a sign of health. God made, no little kid isn't a daydreamer, right? 90% of my kid's day is pretending and dreaming. That's, that's all they do. We were born dreamers. Why? You're born in the image of God. You were made to create. You were made to bring life to things. You were made to bring beauty to things. We are all dreamers. But here's what I've noticed is that sometimes people get so radically saved, but then, and they, want, they begin just like the disciples. You can actually read this in the Bible. The disciples are doing ministry with Jesus for a little bit. Next thing you know, they're coming, two of them are sneaking away with him like, hey, psst, can we be in charge when you take over? Like, can we be at your right and left? And the other disciples are all mad, like, yo, don't have, you know. And, but here's the deal. Jesus never rebuked that question. He told them, you don't know what you're asking because like, you want to be on my right and my left. There's a time you might not want to be there because I'm going to be up on a cross. You, know? like it, you don't know what you're asking, but he doesn't rebuke the desire, the desire to be used by him and to be impactful. Jesus never rebukes that desire. But what keeps people from getting into that is they don't learn how to be vision keepers. See, it's one thing to build and, 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 you know, get inspired by an epic video and see how many salvations have happened in our church across three states and see the explosive growth and you get pumped and, you know, you, you go and you say, ah, yes, I want to, I want to, I'm going to pledge. It's one thing to say I'm going to build, but it's another thing to keep that commitment all throughout the year. And that's one example, but there's, I'm talking in general Christians they, they are good at seeing a vision or hearing a vision when they're walking with the Holy Spirit, but can you keep it? Can you keep it to build it? Let me, let me first just set a precedence because some people I can sense when I'm telling you that God wants you to dream again, you're hesitant because that maybe you grew up, I'm telling you, religion will do that to you. It'll crush dreaming, but read, read this, Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
That must be a typo. Religion would say he'll give you the desires of his heart and don't you complain about it, you know? First uh, <laughs> John 5, 14. And, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. You guys catching a theme here? Let me give you another Bible verse. Psalms 21, one and two. The king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord, and your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. God, it likes your dreams. Just like when my kids come to me and, you know, Levi tells me one day, dad, I'm gonna be a construction worker. I'm like, if that's your dream, son, I'm with you. Like, and he's outside playing with my hammer. The next day, dad, I'm gonna be a doctor. And I, I'm like, of course you are, son. I have to remind him that if he even gets a cut, he almost faints and that might, but anyways, <laughs> you know, but I never wanna squash the dream. If that's what you're, if that's your heart's desire, I just wanna find out why it's your heart's desire. I wanna edify, I wanna help him build, but I need him, we can all dream, but can he keep the dream alive long enough to see it come to fruition? See, vision keepers, God picks vision keepers. God will keep, pick people who he can give a vision to, but then they can keep it because there's always a process. Here's the deal with God. He will give you a vision on the mountaintop usually. Moses went up to the mountaintop and has a vision. God gives him a directions, lots of chapters in your one-year Bible about how to build the temple. He gives him extreme detail. He gives him a vision, but Moses has to take that vision down the hill and make it a reality. He's got to keep it. And, you know, that, that could be hard because Israel was not on the, they were on the naughty list, okay? They were getting coal for Christmas. They were not really leaning into God. And so he would have to keep that vision to make it a reality. Or uh, Joseph in the Bible, Noah in the Bible. Noah, hey, build an ark, okay? Well, it took him 100 years. He had to keep that vision, believing what God told him. Joseph had a dream that he would one day rule over his whole family and that he would, that he would have massive success. Well, the pathway to that was a little time as a slave, actually betrayal from her brothers, almost died, then a little time as a slave, then a little time in prison, and then he found himself in the palace. But he kept the vision. He's a vision keeper. God wants you to learn to be a vision keeper because he can whisper to anyone but what does that look like? What does that look like fleshed out? Can you hold the vision despite the circumstance? So point number one, we got to get the vision. Uh, I mentioned in Exodus, but Exodus 25, 40, Moses goes up to the hill and Jesus says, or God says this to him in Exodus 25, 40, and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. Getting a vision for your life is a God vision for your life requires a pursuit of the presence of God. Those things happen in the presence of God, a real God vision. So many people will come up to me and be like, oh my gosh, I just got offered this dream job in wherever, you know, this state or that state. I really feel like God's speaking to me. And I, I just want to say, I'm like, is it your feeling or is it because where did you find that? Were you, were you praying, God, you know, let me, did, was God putting in a heart? Were you spending time on that mountaintop? Right, right. And then God confirmed what he had already showed you, or are you letting a circumstance then rewrite wow. 
what he's showing you. But the confusion comes when there's no time on that mountaintop. God wants us to spend time with him. It's not just a check the box. Okay, I read my Bible today. Check. God's happy with me. No, no, no. He wants to reactivate the dreaming and the desires and the gifting he put in your life. And that happens on the mountaintop. It happens in the experience. But the thing is, every one of us have to come off of that mountaintop and then flesh this out in the valley. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever started a business, all businesses in your brain start in the mountaintop. You're like, man, we're going to take the entire market. We are going to be, you, you, you have to, because it takes that much excitement and energy to launch a thing. But then you go down from the mountaintop and then you have to figure out, okay, well, how do I get inventory? How do I get the finances to make this thing happen? Where do I, how do I get my marketing? Out? How do I get the brand name? Where's my logo? You get what I'm saying? We flesh these things out. We can get a vision but it's just a dream. It still remains just a dream unless we can learn how to flesh that thing out. Flesh that thing out. So where do you get the big, where do you get the, those mountaintop experiences? Can I just tell you at our church, one of our core values is make the big rocks a big rock in your life. You know, when we have a conference and we have Rex Crane come in, just one of the most anointed, powerful men. We have Mike Maiden, one of the most uh, gifted prophets I've ever met, just you operating in the prophetic and giving accurate words. When we have these events, those are meant to create a moment, a mountaintop experience where you can encounter God's presence. And so many people will come up to me and be like, oh man, you know, oh shoot, I had this planned already. And I'm like, well, all of the conferences are for the whole year right in the calendar right now. Right now. And I, I get it. We're not like religious about it. But big, make it a big rock to go to these things. that God, Make it a big rock when we're going to Short Creek and we're ministering to people there and we're doing ministry. Make, make these moments an, a priority in your life because God really does speak in those mountaintop experiences. I, the mountaintops get a bad rep because some Christians become mountaintop chasers and they're just running from conference to conference and experience to experience and revival and revival and they're never grounded or planted or winning a city. So that's where it can get a bad name, where they're just chasing the next high. But you do. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. On top of having a disciplined Christian life where you read your Bible and you pray on your own, have those mountaintop worship experience with others and let God give you a download in those moments. Let him give you a download so that you have something to work towards, so that when the enemy comes in on Monday and tries to get you right back in the old pattern, right back in the thing, you've, you begin to keep, wait a minute, I got a vision at Cherish about me and my family. Wait, I got a vision at Emerge about how I was gonna lead my family. And I gotta keep that thing alive. I've gotta keep that thing alive. Whatever you water grows. Become a person, I'm telling you, if you have friends that are negative, that whenever you share a dream or desire of your heart, you're afraid because you know they're gonna laugh, when, when things are in infant stage, they're fragile. When a vision has just come, it's fragile and you're, you're, you're processing all the different things. You wanna make sure you're in community. So how do you be a vision, builder, build, or a vision keeper? Be in a community of other dreamers that encourage you, that believe in you. Make that a priority in your world. If you've never had good Christian friendships, get in a connect group. Surf around, find the connect group that you go, wow, I felt something. The Holy Spirit will 
give you breadcrumbs on where to go. I always see it. When people say, you know what, I'm going to try to get in community, he will begin to show you like, hey, this, this one's going to, you're going to love this one. You're going to love Ava and Char's Connect Group. Like that's, that's just a party, great food. You're going to love uh, the Keddingtons, whatever it is. Find those connections of other people that will help you keep that vision alive. So we got to get the vision. Uh, next thing with getting a vision is learn to be faithful with little. Learn to be faithful with little. God, God will, he wants to give you the big vision, but if you've never been able to be faithful with the, the, the smaller version of that, you know, you say, I want, I want this massive redwood tree in my backyard. Okay, well, are you faithful with the fern that dies every, every time you buy one in my house? I mean, this is an example. It's not real. <laughs> we, build, we build big gardens, but I can't keep the inside plants alive. So can we be faithful with the little? God gave, when he wanted to make governors over cities, he gave people a little bit of money to invest. That's the parable of the talents. That's a big jump, but God says, how you do the little is actually really gonna be present on how you do the big. How you treat, some of you, if you're single in here, you've been praying for a spouse and God probably has some, a person. He's like, man, I'd love to give him this person. Like, but then he looks how you treat his bride and he's like, oh, I gotta wait because you, you, you're, you, you, you'll neglect his bride. So then he's gonna give you one of his daughters and say, here you go, you know, you're, or vice versa, ladies, like God is looking to how we respond, not, not for salvation, by the way, and not to love you less, find a reason to love you less. That's not how God works. He's looking because he wants to trust you with more. He wants to trust you with more. And I just be like David who would pray, search my heart, O Lord, and test every thought that doesn't line up with what you have for me. Amen. Amen. So you've got to get a clear vision. You've got to get a vision and then keep bringing it to God so you can clarify, clarify, clarify. Don't ever change plans for greener pastures. Ruth's mother-in-law thought that if we move our family out of the drought in Israel, not you, Ruth, <laughs> the Bible Ruth, okay? But in the Bible, there's a character named Ruth, a book called Ruth. Her mother-in-law their whole family, her husband and her two sons, all left because there was a famine in Israel. She comes back a couple years later with no husband and no sons. Now, God's so good, but trust me, being with God in a famine is better than being without God in the most fruitful place. God is where the source must be. Anthony, you did so good on your offering message. I love that message. Well done, sir. I just see too many people lose, lose the progress, the growth for greener pastures. So this is coming from a, a deep pastor's heart because I've been there. I remember in a, in a tough season uh, where just financially we were strapped and I had other options, other options. And I just remember feeling like, oh, it'd be so much easier be so much easier to not live in San Diego and move back home where I have, because I have two little boys and I have family, I have grandparents, I have cousins there. It'd be so much easier. And, and it was a real temptation. And, and it wasn't even like, 
just family. I had people calling me like, I have a network there. I have friends there. They're like, man, I'll get you a job at, you know, Gallo Winery, the biggest winery or whatever. I'll get you a job here. And, but I had to keep coming back to God because I knew when I moved to San Diego and I walked into Awakened Church, I knew that first Sunday that he said, son, this is your home. And even though every bit of circumstance and every bit of ease, the pa- at that time, the pasture looked greener everywhere where there, but where I was. I am so thankful that I didn't let circumstance change, dictate which way I went. Come on, one of the greatest signs of character development is when your walk is not so impacted by circumstance, but your circumstance start getting, start getting impacted by your walk, by your belief system. When, 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 so, when bad news comes, is your default, oh no, what am I gonna do? Or is your default, oh yay, what are you gonna do, God? It's beginning to shift and change the way we approach things. If you wanna be a vision keeper, you've gotta learn to keep the vision when circumstance Looks, looks dire. I promise you, there are Sundays I leave this church and I go, oh no, I am failing. It's just human nature, you know? And then there are other Sundays I leave and I'm like, oh man, I'm awesome, you know? And <laughs> I'm trying very hard to get off of that rat, that rat race because if I live by success, then I die by a bad day. If I live by, criti- you know, by praise, I die by criticism. I want to have a mind that just lets God's word dictate how I view circumstances versus circumstances translating God's word. You guys catch what I'm, you smell what I'm stepping in. I know this is kind of elementary, but, but it's something really important as a Christian. God will give you a vision, but he, he expects you to partner with him keep the vision alive long enough for it to flesh out and be what he intended it to be. And we can all say like, yeah, that's easy, that's easy. But you know what? It's a slow grind if you're not intentional about being a vision keeper. We've all, I mean, if you've lived longer, all the high schools are up there. They might not understand this, but most of us, you know, you've lived a little life past high school and you realize, wow, it's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing to hold the dream to keep the dream, to keep the vision alive. I mentioned Genesis 37, great story about a man who kept dreaming. You say, well, how do you know, how do you know he kept dreaming? Because you don't really know what he was doing in prison while he was waiting to be fair. I know he was dreaming because he cared about other people's dreams. If you read the story of Joseph while in prison, one, it says that he became, everywhere he was, they put him in charge. Even though he was a prisoner in prison, he ran the prison. You don't do that to a person who's given up and doesn't work hard. Like, think about it. Why would he be running the prison unless somebody went, man, that guy is a go-getter. I mean, he might be a rapist, but he's a go-getter. That's what he was accused of. He wasn't, but I'm just saying. His work ethic spoke so high that it even made them ignore the accusations. And then when other people came into the prison that had had dreams, he interpreted their dreams. He sat there. He wanted to hear about their dreams. He asked God for interpretation. That does not sound like a guy who has given up, but it sounds like a guy who said, you know, I had a dream once and I still wake up and I still keep that dream alive. I keep the vision alive. Man, 
just, it's so hard as a pastor to watch people abort on a vision or a dream because circumstance just got a little hard. Can we learn to be, keep the vision? And finally, point three, and then we're gonna pray for people. Can we build the vision? Listen, the first start to building any vision with God, now you can try to build on your own, okay? So I wanna be very clear. God will give you free will, which is the scary part. The teaching that, oh, whatever happens is God's will, that is not in the Bible. That's just not in the Bible. God has a perfect will and he is all powerful and he is all knowing, but he gives people free will. So when you watch your news and you see stories of kids being trafficked or starving in, you know, from famine, that's not God's perfect will for the world. That's often because men are greedy. So the, the, the Calvinist thing breaks down there. Yes, in God's, he knows the beginning from the end. I get all that. But you actually get to choose to partner with the Holy Spirit to build what he's put in you and what he wants you to do. The baseline, the first door you gotta walk through is just basic obedience. People, you know, people say, well, why do they talk about tithing in church and they just want your money? Why would, look, tithing is much more a principle where God gives us something in, in our garden that's not ours that we're supposed to steward. That's really what it comes down to. And you can find that principle starting right in the Garden of Eden. People be like, why would God put that tree in there? Because part of stewardship, part of authority is taking care of something that's not yours. So the tithe was meant to be this baseline thing in our life that I take care of something that isn't even mine, okay? Basic obedience, and I'm not just talking about tithing. Let's talk about purity. Single people out there, God wants you to fight for that purity, to hold that line. Not because he's a prude. He made sex. He agrees. He's like, A-okay, it's a great idea, okay? He, he thinks it's a great idea. But he also knows because it's so powerful, it's meant to be in the context of covenant, that it's such a powerful bonding agent between two, two people that it was meant to be in covenant, not treated as flimsy, not treated as, you know, the same way you treat a cold beer after a long day of work, just all about you. Priorities. Like I said, priorities. We tell our kids, Jesus is the savior. He's the best. Hey kids, we're not going to go to church this Sunday. I'm tired. They don't listen to what we say. They listen to what we do. We can't tell our kids, like I was giving this amazing man here a compliment. He can tell his kids serving in church is important, but the reason all his kids are basically our worship team is because he's lived that. He's lived that. That's basic obedience. Willingness to surrender. Anything you can't give, you don't have, it has you. I know, I know I'm going a little like, if I'm, if I'm hitting there, my goal is to give everybody a gut punch equally so you know that we're all left. <laughs> Okay, I'm not trying to pick on any one person. And I, I'm gut punching myself on a few of these things. But baseline obedience, not to earn God's love, but so that we can operate in his love. Operate in his love. When you are, when you are a clean conscience, what's Dr. Matt saying? A clean conscience is the best sleep aid you will ever have. And so when we're out of obedience, God is calling us to say, come back into basic obedience so that we can get past the 
rudimentary stuff and we can dream and scheme and you can be a vision keeper. And how we do this matters. One of my favorite quotes, uh, quotes um, it's half Colin Higginbottom and ca- half Coach Woods from UCLA, but your best is enough, but your best is required. Your best, any time with Jesus, your best is enough. The best you can do when you wake up and say, God, I wanna give you this day and you're, you're growing with him and you're working with him, that is, that is enough. He loves that. But also he wants you to learn that your best is required because in your best, at the edge of what you're capable of, the Bible says that, that his grace is sufficient in our weakness. I wanna live a life where I'm not hoping for a miracle. I'm living a life right now where I'm so far on ledge, I depend on a miracle. I have to have miracles because I, I've, I've gone past Matt Tuggle's brain, Matt Tuggle's capacity, Matt Tuggle's leadership. I've gone past what I could control without him. So how we do things matters. In, in a discipleship church, the outcome does not justify the means. Can I just tell you that? Some people will, in order to get the God vision they have, they'll mow over any person in their way. And, and the outcome does not justify the means in the kingdom. How we treat people, how we treat each other is incredibly important to God. That's his son, that's his daughter. The out, if, if you think that, well, in order to achieve the business goal that I have to have, that means I can't give time to my family or in, in, in order to do ministry, it means I can't be a provider for my family. If you limit what God can do and say, well, it's worth it, I'll sacrifice what's important to God because I'm trying to serve him. I'm trying to make his vision. I'm trying to grow this business that he told me to grow. God cares about the way we do the journey. In fact, how you do the journey is the preparation for the outcome. So if you've got that mentality that the mission's the most important thing and people don't matter, just let God recalibrate. By the way, that doesn't mean some people don't need to be excommunicated out of your life or cut out of your life. But you do it in a loving and proper way, not a ghosting emoji and then ghost them the rest of your life, right? Like you actually have a conversation, say, hey, listen, I'm going this direction in my life and you can come with me if you want, but this is a prayer to me. I can't, I can't do what we used to do. And you've got to move on sometimes. But anyways, how you do things is important. And finally, you have to know that other people are required. Other people are required for you to build the vision God has for your life. God has never raised up a lone wolf. If there was one guy that could have been a lone wolf, it could have been Jesus. He didn't even go a lone wolf. He grabbed 12 dudes and said, you're basically going to live with me and I'm gonna show you how we do this, but you're gonna be in my circle. You need people in your circle. You need to find your tribe, your tribe. People that are going after the things of God that at the same pace and the same passion that you are. Don't be the, don't be the friend that you're the savior in the whole friend group. You're the only person. You gotta make sure that you have set yourself up. Doesn't mean you don't have people that you're administering to and playing, but you gotta have a group of core people. That's your tribe. Amen. We cannot be found without our tribe. Stand to your feet. We're gonna bring our ministry team up in a minute, but I wanna just take a minute to pray for dreams again. 
I believe some people in this room, it's been a long time since you dreamed with God again. And you know what? One of the biggest struggles to be a vision keeper is thinking you saw the path that God had for that vision and it not working out. And it's that fear of, if I believe again, will I get hurt again? I have to imagine that Joseph, after being betrayed by his brothers, almost murdered, but ended up being sold into slavery, when he found himself in Potiphar's house, a rich governor, he said, okay, look, I see what God's doing. He's putting me, I'm, I'm second in command under this very successful, influential guy. Maybe this is how God's gonna make it happen for me. This, he, I, I promise you. And then he probably was so filled with that dream that when his haughty wife tried to make a move, he's like, no, 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 this is not what I want. I'm not gonna betray. This is my door. This, is the, this, this opportunity is gonna be the thing that gets me to my dream. And he even did everything right. And he finds himself in prison. I had to think that at nights he would wrestle, God, how, how? does a convicted ra or attempted rapist get to the thing you showed me years ago? No one knows I didn't do it. As far as they're concerned, I'm guilty. But he held the dream. He held the dream. Some people here, God wanted this message to come to you because you let a dream die. I feel like there's even somebody in here that I just feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me that you let the dream die this week. You literally took it out in the backyard and old yellered it. You said, no more will I chase this dream. And I believe God wants to reactivate the dreams that he put in your heart. And so if that's you, I wanna, I'm just gonna pray over everyone. But if you have a dream that you feel like you let die and God is saying, will you not try to dig it up, but will you put it back in my hands and give it to me? We put it back in my hands. If you've got a dream that died and God wants, I believe he wants to, you want, you're realizing, oh my gosh, I don't think he wants me to kill that dream. I think he wants me to trust him with that dream. Will you put your hand there? I wanna pray for you right now. Lots of people, lots of people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I declare right now that this is a church of vision keepers, that when you have given us a vision, Lord, you've given us a, 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 a God vision for our life, that God, we would be known as people that would keep it despite the circumstance and that we would never let the fear of failure dictate our, our run, our speed, our obedience, our willingness to go where you are calling us to go, to do what you've called us to do. God, right now in the name of Jesus, I declare dreams resurrecting, Lord. Desires of the heart, Lord, being fulfilled, Lord. It is vision builders week, God. Lord, as we attach our life to build your house, we do believe and we know and we have seen it. We have seen it too often that your, as we build your house, you begin to build our house, Lord, that, you're, that that flow of release, it comes back. It comes back into our future. I declare that discouragement is broken off of people right now, that they would dream again without the fear of failure. Failure in the kingdom only means one of two things. I either am gonna learn, I'm either gonna learn from this because it's gonna help me get to where I need to get to, or God, you have something better. That's it. Those are the only two. Either God has something better, so we get back up on that mountain, or he says, no, 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 I needed you to learn what the failure felt like, so now you know one way we're not gonna do it.
God, I just declare your timing over people's lives. I declare dreams resurrecting in your children again, again, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Man, there's a sweet presence in here. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.